This meeting is being recorded. Wow, this is being recorded, isn't it? Good morning, everybody. Today is Saturday, January 29th, 2022. You are watching and or listening to yet another edition of Forward Maryland. Steve, it is our 2021 end of year awards show. Uh, who are you wearing today on the red carpet? I am wearing Lamar Jackson uh, in honor of this week's NFC AFC championship games, which don't involve the Baltimore Ravens, but uh, I'm wearing this and hope that the Bengals don't win because if you've ever heard their fans on Twitter, they are insufferable. You would think you would think that they they had never won a football game before. And in fact, in point of fact, when they did win their first playoff game, the first text message ever written about a Bengals playoff win happened because the last time the Bengals had won a playoff game was in 1990. And the first text message was sent in 1991. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so I wonder, I wonder if friend of the podcast, Dr. James Howard, is aware of that factoid. And also Bengals fan, which may be another reason to root against Cincy tomorrow. Go Chiefs. Oh, look at that. Look at that. He's, he, he's going for the Patrick Price. Well, this, well, is, my, this is my Negro League. Well, that's uh, Kansas yeah. City Monarchs, right? Yep. Go Chiefs. <laughs> well, well, it's good that you're we that you that you are also a baseball historian because our third co-presenter today is not just a baseball historian and um, in more recent weeks and months a uh, a uh, a uh, sports tout of some acclaim, but he is also a the emeritus co-host of Forward Maryland, Jason Booms. Jason, say hi to the nice people. Hey, everybody. Good to see you again, and I'm glad so to be Jason, back. Uh, Jason, so speaking of the games this week, who 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 do you like? Well, I, I will say this. I've got a certain sympathy going out uh, to Matthew Stafford for all the years he endured in Detroit, and mm. uh, I'm sure he's as boggled as, uh, as as any Detroit fan would be in the fact that there is such a thing as January football. But uh, I, I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I guess my sympathies go to the Rams right now. Uh, that, that's what that's what I'm feeling, at least for the next game. Okay, and then and, and in the AFC. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. I guess the Chiefs, most likely. I'll see what the line was that, is. Was before. that your betting? Was that your betting uh, wisdom kicking in, or is it just your, your fan sentiment? That's fan sentiment. Uh, the, the actual dissection of the, of the game will have to occur a little bit a uh, little bit later. I'll see what the, see what the spread is. We'll go from there. All right, all right. Leaving leaving stuff up for Boom's exclusive content view, people. Jason's learned. Visit That's my good. Patreon. Absolutely, absolutely. Don't don't give away for free what you can make money <laughs> off bounds. So it is. It is. So thank you for joining us. It's very it's very uh, great to see you. And let's get right into our 2021 awards. And so our, our first presenter is Jason. Jason, take the stage, please. <laughs> well, I, I just I just want to say uh, one thing. When I thought about sort of wrapping it up, encapsulating 2021, uh, I, I think one of the big things we need to think about uh, was probably best expressed actually going back to 1970 uh, when uh, Stephen Stills uh, crafted the famous lines, 
Well, there's a rose in the fisted glove, and the eagle flies with the dove. And if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. I think mm. we can draw lessons from this. And, uh, and several of the candidates, I think, running for governor of Maryland uh, did make picks that uh, uh, seem to complement uh, the skill set, bring something else to the table. And maybe if they're not even uh, deeply enamored necessarily with who their running mate is, they've seemed to find a way to, to love the one they're with. And so that's going out to Baker Navarro, Francia Anderson Walker, Jane Hawkins Lights, King Siri, Moore and Miller. But it begs the question of the remaining, who's the dance partner for Perez, for Gansler, for Newman, or Siegel or Barron? I mean, these are the key questions you need to ask. Are they, are they having a hard time attracting someone because there's the writing on the wall? Or is it merely just part of a deliberative process? And uh, will the next picks be anyone from Howard County? Uh, you know, there, there's a few uh, uh, you know, folks that are public office holders that I'm thinking about, uh, women, uh, Atterbury, uh, Watson, Hill. I mean, they, you know, these are all people that you know, theoretically could get tapped for a, a number two slot. It'll be fun to watch in the next uh, few weeks as uh, those tickets are finalized. So the Stephen Stills Award is awarded to the governor. Uh, anyone, anyone who has a running mate right now, <laughs> you know, at least everyone's got their chairs, but it's still musical chairs for the rest. Well, you know, Jason, if you look historically, Stephen Stills makes a lot of sense on a lot of levels. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, Bush Quayle, uh, Bush Cheney, <laughs> maybe even Obama Biden. So uh, uh, th this is certainly not an unheard of uh Thing. And Mr. Stills uh, apparently is a uh, political, uh, politically prophetic because <laughs> he's captured it very well. Lord knows I live my life by uh, what he writes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I believe the next award goes to you for your presentation. Well, well, thank you, Bill. Uh, this is my first time, so hopefully I, I can be worthy of the uh, tradition of Ford, Maryland. But uh, my, my first award is a tribute to the late, great uh, Michael Lee Day, a.k.a. Meatloaf, uh, who, amongst other people, uh, left this planet recently. Um, that seems to be a recurring theme these days, unfortunately. Uh, but anyway, the first song I remember as a child hearing from Meatloaf was Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. And if you know the lyrics, you know, I want you, I need you, but there ain't no way I'm ever going to love you. Don't be sad. <laughs> Uh, not, not as good as my friend Jason here in reciting lyrics, but you get the picture. So, you know, Meatloaf felt like two out of three ain't bad. But in the case of the Howard County Council, and in particular, the Democrats on the Howard County Council, it's two out of four. And two out of four kind of sort of sucks. Um, I, I think maybe even before they were sworn into office, but certainly shortly thereafter, um, you have Team Walsh Young and you have Team Rigby Jones. And... It, it has been the tag team match from political hell ever since day one, including, oh, by the way, this past week where there's now a Donnybrook over the Citizens Election Fund, and whether or not, in the words of uh, my man from uh, Jerry Maguire, you need to show Deb Young the money. Um, and, and some ridiculous comments, including one from Team Rigby Jones referring to the ethics laws and whether or not they can even vote on the thing. And, and by the way, I give props to Liz Walsh saying, we vote on our salaries all the time. <laughs> so um, it, it's just been a, a mess. And, I, you know, 
I don't want to preview a later award, but it, it seems like somebody or several somebody's in leadership should have sat the children down and said, let's play nice in the sandbox. Um, it, it seems to be our, our at least electeds in Howard County, a ship with no captain. So it, it's, you know, maybe, maybe a couple of them won't be around next year and, and we'll actually have an effective group, but I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, no beef against uh, Dave Youngman. I've, I've met the guy, I know the guy, I have no issues with him, but when Dave Youngman's the adult in the room, you know you have a dysfunctional pile of crap. So there you go. Two out of four really sucks. Meat, you were right. You could go up to three, but once you get to four, you got a problem. So the Meatloaf so Award goes to Howard County Council Democrats. Very good, very good, Steve. Very good, Steve, for 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 addressing the uh, issue of dysfunction. But I will say there there is a leader in the room, is there not? Uh, maybe there is. I think we don't have an answer to that question. More more opinion on that might be revealed. Well, hopefully sooner than later they'll be paradise by the dashboard light. <laughs> If, if recent yeah. social media posts that suggest outreach to to disaffected Democrats uh, is any indication, perhaps uh, that is being attempted. <laughs> so I get the next presentation, you know, just in the in, you know, and I, I feel like Kevin Spacey singing mind games when he hosted the John Lennon tribute in 2010. Although Kevin Spacey's probably, I don't know, is it okay to say Kevin Spacey now? I mean, do we say Matt Lauer? Hmm. Uh, I think as long as we keep him off the show, because God knows he's been asking us to appear. Um, as long well, as we keep yeah, him off. I mean, his life right. is tough for Kevin lately. I mean, we know <laughs> this. So, I mean, you know, everybody needs a second chance, but I'm not sure that this is that time. So, so point taken, Jason. Let, let, let's leave Spacey out of our mouths. So I have, in the long the musical theme of this first round of, of awards, I have the They Shoot Horses, Don't They Award, which is named after the famous 70s, 70s film starring Gig Young about a Midwestern dance marathon. Uh, and and it, was, it, was, it was basically an American graffiti ripoff in terms of teenage uh, teenage relationships, um, people going back and forth, finding their true selves under the guise and under the setting of a dance marathon. Um, the, the They Shoot Horses, Don't They Award goes to the Baltimore Sun. Baltimore Sun, don't go away angry, just go away. Uh, I'm a subscriber to the Baltimore Sun. I love the Baltimore Sun. I grew up on the Baltimore Sun back when they had columnists like Jack German, Jules Whitcover, Michael Olesker. Um, of course, they still have Dan Rodericks in, in, a, in, uh, in a fashion. Uh, Jocks Kelly, who, who still writes for the Sun. Uh, John Stedman, the great sports writer. Bill Tanton. Um, Ivan, uh, no, uh, uh, Maisel, uh, Bob Maisel. Um, it's a it, to say it's a shadow. Tim Kirkchen. Um, to say it's a shadow of its former self is insulting the shadows of their former self. Uh, I, I put a post on on Facebook uh, earlier in twenty one about why did I why do I even subscribe to this garbage anymore? 
and a Facebook friend who's a longtime reporter for the Howard County and the Baltimore Sun wrote back and mentioned that they won a local Pulitzer Prize for its coverage of the Catherine Pugh uh, debacle. And okay, that's a fair point. However, um, anybody, any journalist could have done anything with that story and gotten a Pulitzer Prize. And it's not exactly like there was Woodward and Bernstein level investigation that went into that. I mean, this was questioning things that were on the public record. So I have to say, um, yeah, they have a Pulitzer, but I don't like paying $24 a month for all the copied off of wire service advice columns I can stand in my uh, in my uh, life in my uh, Sunday uh, life column or in my arts and entertainments uh, section, um, you know, or on my or in my front page. Um, I like reading opinion. I like reading commentary. I like knowing what's going on in the world. Um, you know, I don't like things that are uh, copied and pasted from the LA Times, the Chicago Tribune, the New York Times, which I already also subscribe to, and many others. Uh, I know last year there was a drive to make the uh, Baltimore Sun a nonprofit. One would have to wonder why that collapsed. Uh, it looked like it was going great guns and then a major investor pulled out. And then it looks like the other investor is now trying to start something called the Baltimore Banner. Um, I, 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 hope, I hope that that person has good luck. Uh, I do believe that Baltimore is a major American city and is deserving of a major American newspaper, but the Baltimore Sun ain't it. Uh, as much as I would love to see it sustain and as, as sad as I am because there are a lot of great people who work for that newspaper, um, I would not shed much of a tear if 2022 were the day the sun, where the year the sun sets. Well expressed. There. Yeah. <laughs> is, anybody, I mean, anybody, is anybody unclear as to where I feel about this matter? <laughs> yeah. Jason, uh, girl, girl Jason, don't go away bad. Just go away. Jason, Jason, you, you have a very unique award. You're up. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, this award, of course, uh, the, the genesis of this award uh, for fans of The Office, may be aware of uh, of one Michael Scott, played lovingly by Stephen Carell for many years. Uh, and uh, during the episode where it was featuring a roast of Mr. Scott, uh, Jim Halpert came up with uh, some of the classic lines that he used to say uh, on the show, not knowing what they actually meant. Uh, one of them was, spider face. Uh, Michael Scott apparently thought the phrase was cut off your nose to spider face as opposed to spite her face. So I thought about who best fits that description uh, in the state of Maryland, um, at the very least Howard County. And there's only one organization that really came to mind that stood so head and shoulders above everyone else uh, that uh, they, they have all four or five of my nominee slots and thus they win. And that would be the progressive Democrats of Howard County. Uh, a well-known anti-housing organization. Uh, we see basically a collection of um, uh, very interesting individuals over there. I think some more self-interested than others. 
some of them a little bit uh, off as far as their public pronouncements are concerned. Uh, some of them like to apparently also play footsie with the People's Party of uh, that's a uh, nascent organization that uh, is trying to be formed in a number of states. Uh, I give them this award primarily because of the fact they've done such a good job hammering Democrats who needs Republicans. Uh, and it's really been unfortunate. I mean, ever since this, the, the, the founding of this organization, which unfortunately I was roped into the uh, to the unveiling when they decided to hijack a meeting of uh, the Howard was it was the Columbia Democratic Club. I think they made the announcement yep. yes. uh, and they did it not to, uh, you know, hey, here's an alternative. It was really intended to be a, you know, a thumb in the eye of the local Democratic Party. Uh, a lot of their comments have been rather vicious in going after local Democratic elected officials. Uh, there's one thing to hold someone accountable. There's one thing to promote a, a progressive agenda. Uh, but I think this organization is just so wound up into this anti-development world. And by the way, there are different ways to go after developers. <laughs> uh, I've got a few ideas at the national level as far as things I'd like to see is in terms of taxation that, that would at least get the malefactors of great wealth down to middling wealth at best. Uh, but they have decided to go all in on the development issue uh, to the eliminate, you know, to uh, ignore mo most other policy issues. Uh, and just use that as a prism or the litmus test for any of any for uh, how they feel an elected is performing. Uh, I don't think they add a whole lot to the conversation, quite frankly. I think what they're adding is is similar to what any generic Republican would add. And frankly, I've, I've had an exchange with the Republicans who talk about these new alliances that are forming. Uh, I can only imagine they might be talking about uh, working with the progressive Democrats. And as I said before, including to the progressive Democrats, you should not have any red-brown coalitions. And here I'm talking about shirt colors. Uh, there's no sense in collaborating with the Republicans, even on development issues, it's, it's lunacy. And the people that are over there at that organization, simply they, they don't know what they're doing, either because they're too stupid to understand what they're doing, or they understand what they're doing, but they're just malicious about it, allegedly. Uh, at least that's my take on it. So progressive Democrats get the spider face award. Very well put, kind sir. Steve, our, 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 our award show has taken a, a turn for the incisive. I, I believe you, 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 you have an, I believe your next award may continue us in that vein, sir. Yeah, my, my next award, and, and I'm, you know, we talked about it in the pre-show and, and had a title. I'm going to clean it up and go a little Southern, and I'm going to call it the Child Please Award uh, in honor of my grandmamas. Uh, Thank you for that. Carolina, I was thinking about that for a second. <laughs> yeah, we'll go. We'll go. Child, please, and you can uh, translate the child any way you want to, y'all. And, and it goes to white women voters. And by saying that, I am stripping off the veneer of suburban moms, suburban women voters. We all know who they're talking about because if you watch CNN or MSNBC or Fox and you have a round table with these concerned suburban moms, I don't see anybody that looks like my mama on that show or in that interview or in that circle of people. So let's just call them what they are. Now, you know, long, for a long time, people have talked about voting against one's own interests. And if there's any group that is symbolic of that, it is this group of voters. In 2016, I think it was 53 or 54% of y'all voted for a guy who shortly before the election told him where he'd want to grab you by. Uh, you, you know, 
I'm going to go a little ESPN here and say, come on, man. So you think, okay, maybe they learned, you know, a bunch of, bunch of women, mostly white, put on these little pink hats. And in 2018, okay, you know, Pelosi got the gavel. It seemed like everything was going to be okay. Then here comes 2020. Not so much because the numbers did not drop. You know, the numbers should have been like 30, but they were not in terms of that block of voters who voted again to reelect a man who told you where he would grab you by. And oh, by the way, had been impeached and all that. So now I'm thinking I'm losing faith, people. Come on, man. Well, then in 2021, not to be outdone, you send a guy named Glenn, Glenn Youngkin, who had ever heard of this fool before he said he was going to run, to the governor's, man, man, uh, governor's mansion, excuse me, I'm getting wound up here, in Virginia. How's that working out for you two weeks in? Now, maybe they're not voting against their own interests. Maybe you don't care about CRT because you want little Johnny and little Janie to have some whitewashed version of American history. Maybe you don't care about a woman's right to choose because y'all probably got enough money. You can ship yourself or your kid off to California to get it done anyway. Maybe I'm all wrong with this voting against your own interest. But for some reason, like the Southern women of old who were the daughters of the whatever the fuck and stood side by side with the Klan to segregate this and burn crosses there and here and everywhere, y'all seem to be on that side of history. And if you look at the elections in Howard County in 2020, Bill, we talked about in, you know, Sport Event in District 1, Board Event in District 4, I'm afraid we might have some of them up in here. Some of those ones who are showing up at board meetings now wanting to talk about books, waving signs that say reopen against redistricting because you say it's segregation. So maybe they're right here close to home. And Jason? My dear prophet, you said there was a path for a certain former county executive to reclaim his seat, and this might be part of his mix. So, child, please get it right. Steve, you raise an excellent point. I just want to add, add one thought to it. Um, you know, when it comes to like voting uh, for or against the interest, it, it seems to me the interest that apparently trumps all uh is perceived interest based on race <laughs> i know a lot of people talk economics uh you know gender is definitely part of the conversation as well but looking through the prism of the history of this country uh it, it does really seem to be a case where people are are, are putting uh, race first <laughs> uh in their deliberations and coming up with these sort of twisted policies that uh that they find themselves voting for despite the fact that it, it contravenes all available logic uh, so, uh, you know, again, I, that goes to the power of, uh, race in the, in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. As I am, I am reminded at this point in our podcast of, of a story that was told, I believe by Dolph Lundgren on the set of the replacements that hmm. in the, in the gym and then on the set that you know all of the uh, action stars who had been recruited to be in this film the replacements you know with the, that the weightlifting would become a competition that he and then sylvester stallone and then harrison ford well maybe not so much harrison ford but he mentioned harrison ford and schwarzenegger and stone cold steve austin terry cruz you know would all go in there and just bang iron 
and just, you know, make, you know, make it an, an internal competition to see who can get the most swole. Gentlemen, I believe we are demonstrating that we are swole in our brains, and that's a good thing. But, by, the way, Bill, there's a, by the way, Bill, there's a similar story, if you ever look it up, about the making of the film Predator, the original with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Same thing. Oh, yes, with Jesse Ven Jesse Ventura, Schwarzenegger. I forget who else was in that. Carl, Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers was in that. I forgot Carl Weathers was in that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, 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 the next award goes to me. And, on the, and, and this award kind of connects my other two awards, the one I've given and the one I have yet to come. This award is the Worst Coverage Ever Award. And that goes to all Maryland media. It goes to podcasters, even ourselves. It goes to news media. It goes to television. It goes to radio. It goes to film strips. It goes to carrier pigeons, any, any media source that is available in the state of Maryland. Uh, even ones that may have won uh, awards from newspapers or magazines, ARC, ARC. Um, the, and, and, and that goes to the lack of coverage for any of the following scandals of the Larry Hogan administration, to which if any Democrat, and woe to have been to Martin O'Malley possibly Bob Ehrlich, but certainly Paris Glendening or any, or William Donald Schaefer or any prior Maryland governor, any one of these five would have been daily meat, red meat in, in, in any media source from the Baltimore Sun, the Washington Post, down to the, down to the Cecil Wig itself. So to wit, the South Korean COVID tests, a half million of which were purchased through connections of the First Lady of Maryland, um, but yet they disappeared. Many of them, most of them were deemed unusable. Where are they? Did we get a refund? Did we get our money back on tests that were unusable? Why the procurement? Well, why was, the, of course, we understand why the procurement process were circumvented due to the public health crisis, but uh, what has gone into even these emergency situations to make sure that such a reckless, feckless purchase doesn't happen again? We don't know, and we probably never will. The payout to the former governor's chief of staff for after he left due to his comments and his behaviors. Um, you know, the governor did answer questions about that. He, I remember he got surly-whirly-girly about it uh, after one of his, um, you know, uh, COVID updates uh, in, the, in the spring, I do believe. Um, but, you know, what he said did not exactly settle the issue. He basically said, it's all just trumped up media charge, charges based in the, in the news media, in the mainstream media. So, you know, for, for being so far supposedly a, a, uh, a counterweight to Donald Trump, he surely sounds like Donald Trump when he, has, when he has a complaint. But where does that go? We don't know. Something that has been an issue for over a year the unemployment insurance website in the state of Maryland, especially when during the pandemic, 
there were millions upon, uh, you know, millions of hits to that website from hundreds of thousands of people who needed to access unemployment insurance because we lost hundreds of thousands of jobs. Um, yet, uh, even to file for unemployment insurance now for those who find themselves um, between jobs, uh, it winds up being an incredibly bureaucratic and time-consuming and, you know, and and a, a personal hassle to people. Where is the fix for that? Uh, has the performance changed? We don't know. Is anybody following it? Nope. So there's another one. The purple line. Contracts were just re-signed to build the purple line. I believe I saw in the media last week that the cost of the purple line was originally going to be 5.6 billion. It is now up to 9.3 billion. So uh, that is about a 70% markup. If my math in my head does me good, I think 65%, 70%. That's disgusting. Why? It can't just be because of the supply chain and because it's two, it's years later and there's the pandemic. There has to be more to it. What's inside it? We don't know. And we probably never will know. And then last, this was something that was scarcely reported. I mean, it was reported in the Washington Post, but without a ton of follow-up, in fact, without any follow-up. Uh, the fact that uh, the governor is still connected to, I believe, around 300 companies uh, that are that are owned or managed by, I believe, his brother or by other family members, um, and 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 that many of those companies do business with the state of Maryland. I mean, these companies interlock their shells inside each other. Um, you know, they're they're kind of Ponzi schemes of the Trump variety where, you know, Trump, Trump, uh, the Trump organization and its uh, management of high rises would own the leasing company. Uh, so the leasing company would charge rent to people. It also owned the company that supplied appliances. So it went out and bought appliances at less than wholesale, uh, sold them at at least retail, if not marked up. And then, and then would turn the profit also on the increased rent because of the new appliances. So nice scheme there. You know, the Hogan companies follow a similar path, but yet does, has anybody really taken the time to check? Anybody really taken the time to see how all of this has, has filled the governor's pockets, which certainly seems like Larry's uh, not doing too badly since he just bought a nice new home. Um, you know, so it seems like he's doing pretty well off of his governor's salary. Anybody checking out any of that? They're not. So Maryland media, you, 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 you got a big job. You got a big job ahead of you. But you did not, in all fairness, you did not have just one job. And that's coming up. Fair enough. Jason? Mm -hmm. I, I see you have you have you I have taken enough time up during my my uh, my rant for you to to change outfits uh, as you as you're going for the the last uh, the your your last uh, award of the night. So over to you, sir. Yeah, I, I was actually I, I think I was momentarily thinking in slow motion. 
Uh, it might have been that scene from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas where uh, Hunter accidentally had some acid on his sleeve and Flea comes out and, you know, wants to help him uh, take care of all that. Uh, but as far as... <laughs> we do not advocate, we do not advocate the uh, use of any illegal drugs here on Forward Maryland, people. But, well, you know, well, I mean, I mean spare acid would be a mixed blessing. <laughs> but... Uh, I was going to say something about how some of these people could benefit. But anyway, uh, so if you take a look at uh, at uh, those it might be involved in a slow motion party switch, five names really came to mind. Uh, the first is Tulsi Gabbard, uh, formerly a nominee for the, or a candidate for the Democratic nomination for president. Uh, we've seen her drift fairly steadily to the right over the past uh, couple of years, quite frankly, as far as positioning is concerned. Uh, definitely doesn't sound like any Democrat that I've ever heard of occupying a very unusual space uh, on, on the spectrum. Uh, so I'm not sure if we can necessarily, and she's bad, been bad historically on issues uh, such as marriage equality. Uh, so perhaps we shouldn't be surprised that Tulsi Gabbard is, uh, has taken the turn that she has. Uh, and a couple other cases I can think about of other high profile folks, Joe Manchin uh, from West Virginia, Senator. Uh, definitely holds a, a critical spot <laughs> in the Senate as far as being a power broker is concerned. Is he necessarily looking to switch to the Republican Party? Who knows? And frankly, doesn't need to right now. But what will the next Congress technically look like, depending on how it falls out? Will there be pressure on him to switch over uh, if there's a sufficient number of Democrats around uh, to sort of force the issue and that he would be possibly again the deciding vote? Uh, another vote is Kirsten Cinema or Kirsten Cinema. Or Chrissy Chris Cinema, however you want to call her, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Uh, and here we have someone who, from her little curtsy and her little thumbs down nonsense, extremely suspect, believes she'll be some nominee for something in 2024. I can't imagine what. Uh, and I think a little bit delusional. Uh, so, uh, but again, um, this could be all part of a larger plan where she switches parties, who knows. But I really want to single out for the award uh, two potential candidates. I think either one would be very qualified uh, for the role. Uh, I do have one winner. Um, the runner-up is John Weinstein. Now, those of you who may have lived for a while in Howard County may be familiar with Mr. Weinstein. He, uh, he uh, held the first county council district uh, for one term. Uh, nice enough guy. Um, I, I just kind of wished I had a time machine and go back to 2014 and vote for Wendy royalty, but that's bad. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, Wendy's great. Uh, but John and uh, looking, apparently it's flipping, <clears throat> it looks like it's almost flipping back to the Republican party, uh, where I know he had some previous connections. So there's that. Um, uh, but the candidate who really stood out for me, uh, was, uh, Praveen Panuri. Uh, our own magic man, probably best known for working some of his shows where he does his magic. And uh, beyond that, it, uh, it, it, you know, he's said a lot of things recently about identity politics. He said a lot of things that frankly don't sound at all like a Democrat. It does sound like someone who very much wants to be, um, you know, Democrats for Kittleman or something along those lines. Because as the narrative sort of creeps every day, uh, more of his comments are more like attacks on Democrats and Democratic Party. I would not be surprised at all if Praveen uh, made the switch, um, you know, within the next couple of months, quite frankly, to take a position with the Kittleman folks. So I give it to Praveen. Yay. <laughs>
I, I, I have to admit, I, I did re- recently read the campaign tone tome of that latter person's uh, run for board of a uh, board of education. Twelve hundred and forty six Howard Countyans can't be wrong, <laughs> and uh, it was it was riveting. <laughs> well, between that and his runs for the, the the central committee, I mean, the guy's dedicated. I'm not sure what, but he's dedicated to something. And uh, I'm not sure what that's worth, but um, maybe not much at all. But uh, it, it'll be fun to see how his, uh, his career shapes up if this is indeed the path he's going in. Yeah. And, and also somebody who, who took a couple of uh, pot shots at uh, this, this very podcast uh, through a couple of, uh, of Facebook uh, uh, accounts uh, over the summer. So, um, you know, uh, like Pepperidge Farm, we remember. <laughs> well done, not sir. At all. Not That's right. <laughs> Steve, over to you for your last award of the evening. Well, you, you guys kind of teed up my last award. And, you know, for those of you who, who, who've seen, you know, Bill and I work this podcast, you, you know that we are old school, longtime fans of professional wrestling. And if you thought you were going to get out of this show without some tie or reference to professional wrestling, you're wrong because here it comes. The good old JR award in honor of the man himself, Jim Ross, big Jim, Oklahoma Jim, boomer sooner Jim, goes to Alan Kittleman, former county executive of Howard County and hoping to be next county executive of Howard County. And, and a quick lead up for those of you who are not like Bill and I watch wrestling. Uh, every once in a while, the champion, usually a heel or bad guy, gets in the ring. And says, I am the greatest. And nobody will challenge me. Is there anybody in the back who has the guts to come out here and challenge me? So picture this time last year. The Republican Party in Howard County is, as it's been for a pretty good while, a bit of a mess. Got a couple of candidates out west, but not much else. And you start thinking, and maybe one county executive, Dr. Calvin Ball, is thinking this, it's going to be a walkover. There's nobody to challenge. There are some, you know, names that are laughable, names you never heard of. There was nothing going on. Now, I, I don't want you guys to get the mental image of Calvin Ball in the middle of a ring in his best spandex. Don't, don't go there. But imagine asking, are there any of you bums in the back that have the guts to challenge me? And then all of a sudden, over the loudspeaker, you hear those three words, proven, independent leader and as he comes rolling out (laughs) here comes good old jr my god it's alec kilman's music (laughs) i can't even finish this what is alec kilman's music by the way what i didn't take it through that far is it devil went down to georgia is it is it Jesus? Is it everything is beautiful from BJ Thomas? <laughs> I'll go with Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison. Um, is it Ever the Dog by Nazareth? <laughs> These boots are made uh, for know, walking. <laughs> yeah, for for whom the bell tolls by Metallica, maybe I, I don't know. But, oh dear Lord! <laughs> but there you go, the good old JR Award for 2021. Former and who the hell knows, maybe future county executive Alan Kittleman. I'm out. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
I can't even finish this. I'm still back on what that music would be like. Would it be a would it be like a choir of angels? Would it be the Chapelgate Prison Community Church choir? Maybe maybe the maybe um gold dust theme music. (laughs) If you remember gold dust. (laughs) Very operatic and now you can imagine Alan Killman. <laughs> oh, 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 heavens. There's always Europe with Final Countdown. Oh, hey, there you go. Well, that song is just annoying enough to be in, in on brand. <laughs> well, well, Steve, that was, that was, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, originally I put you next to last for a reason, but, but wow, I'm not sure I could beat this one. Uh, that was good. That was good. For, so for my last, for my last award of the evening, or really it's morning, but I'm saying evening. My last award is the you had one job award, meaning, you know, something that was so obvious. It was such a tap in. It was such a six inch putt, such a layup. It was supposed to be easy. There was a mandate. Something was clear as day, but through your actions, you made it not so clear. And that award goes to Howard County Executive Calvin Ball, who very closely nosed out Anne Arundel County Executive Stuart Pittman for this award. Because Mr. Pittman at least has a little bit of a, of a, per, a much purpler county to deal with in, in Anne Arundel. Dr. Ball's situation was slightly different. I almost called this award the What Does God Need with a Starship Award after a noted line in Star Trek V. There is a question I've been asking uh, all year, and in fact for the last two plus years on social media, when my uh, when some of my uh, progressive and liberal and blue colleagues will uh, get on uh, certain Democratic Council members, Uh, for their lack of support of certain development projects. And that question is, why does does our county executive need the chair of the Howard County Trump campaign to be the third vote on many development projects in Howard County when we have a four-to-one majority? That question has always, always, always been ignored and unanswered and or unanswered now some people will you know give me a little press of the like button or a you know maybe a good point bill but nobody really seems to have a good explanation for this um you know nobody in the george who works in the george howard building is a sociopath i like calvin ball He has been a friend of mine for 30 years. And if you look at the latest campaign finance report, you will see my name as a contributor of his within the last year. I support his reelection and nothing I'm about to say is going to is going to change that. However, we have missed as Howard Countyans and especially as progressive Howard Countyans 
a terrific opportunity in this county, an opportunity where we saw four Democratic county council members elected in 2018, a Democratic county executive, which should have created a, a, a system of governance in which Democrats would run Howard County for the next 20 years over the next two redistrictings and put in place all sorts of progressive principles that can indeed hold Howard County up as a model of social and economic justice. We have failed to do that. We have failed to do that due to uh, alliances with, with what I call a developer compliant agenda. So development in Howard County is the industry of Howard County, despite what all those who love schools and you know police protection and and uh, and um, and the like claim. Uh, Howard County's a land use county, always has been, still seems to continue to be true. Um, so you know, are you know, do we need development in Howard County? Absolutely, we do. Do we need a developer community in Howard County? Absolutely, we do. Do these developers in Howard County should they have a role in 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 participating in business here? Yes, they should. However, uh, it's a, is it is a system where there is a very limited number of players. You know. Uh, Monopoly is fun to play with two, but it's much better when you have four or six at the board. And that's how the development system in Howard County works. There are only a few law firms who work development land use cases in Howard County. Uh, to my knowledge, I believe there's only one engineering firm that works with the Department of Planning and Zoning. Uh, there are only several builders and several developers. Uh, development in Howard County is not open to all comers. And in that case, uh, we don't get the best deals. We don't get the best prices. We don't get the best rates. And also uh, legislative changes to uh, increase developer fees. Yes, we did a, do a little bit of a good job about this in the last uh, cycle. Um, with the legislation on, I believe, the uh, recordation fee and also on the per, per square footage fee uh, that developers pay. Well, we still fall far behind neighboring jurisdictions in this area. So why do we have a developer compliant agenda? We have a developer compliant agenda because developers give campaign cash be they residential developers, be they commercial developers, such as the uh, Costello company that just gave us the Columbia Lake House Hotel that also has been fraught with controversy over their uh, lack of support for organized labor, uh, be it the uh, folks who manage the company It's My Amphitheater, the uh, the uh, sub uh, the sub firm the subset of the company IMP that manages concerts based out of DC and their CEO who had his own uh, set of serious legal issues um, uh, recently and then their their local outfit that uh, manages Meriwether Post Pavilion and also uh, has embroiled itself in, in numerous disputes with other organizations and institutions in the area, including small arts nonprofits. So 
Um, you know, we seem to be, as a county administration, beholden to these people as if if we offend them, they're going to go away and they're going to support someone else. And frankly, my response to that is who cares if they do? Uh, because my belief is that there are many other players who would love to have a seat at the board of, of Howard County Opoly, and we don't and we don't do them. Plus, and so what does this result in? You know, you know it was mentioned earlier during an earlier presentation about a, a focus on housing. It refer, it re results in uh, poor products in terms and poor proposals in terms of affordable housing. We shouldn't have ridiculous proposals that are argued all over the community about uh, housing developments that have 90 homes and you know, 12 of them are for families that earn $60,000 or less. $60,000 is still a good salary. And, and you know, 10%, 15%, are you kidding me? Where is the vision? Where is the boldness? Where are the 50% affordable housing communities? Where are the 100% affordable housing communities? If we are to be indeed progressives and say that we are for social and economic justice, we have to be better. We have to think bigger. We have to think bolder. But we are not doing this. Instead, we are dealing, we, we are happy with a little tiny piece of the pie and say, can we have some more and slap ourselves on the back for our ingenuity. And we should not award ourselves such because as progressives, we're not doing things here that are all that virtuous. We're not thinking about the public good. We are not thinking bolder and bigger. And that was why um, that was the opportunity lost um, by fomenting discuss uh, anger, discussion, uh, not discussion, dismay, discord uh, amongst the Howard County Council. And I don't think, uh, you know, and, and to the extent that County Executive Ball is responsible for that, he has to be accountable for that. Is it enough to, for me not to support him for re-election? Of course not. Uh, the, the Democratic uh, challenger, uh, slow growth, is a clown. And don't even get me started about the Howard County Republican Party. It's been said a lot during this podcast. They are not just bereft of ideas, not just bereft of vision. They are bereft of morals. Uh, however, what, we ha what has happened is... A, 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 a situation has been created, an environment has been created where these people have a chance to be successful and to bring back Alan Kittleman, a nice guy, but also not a visionary. Uh, and during uh, his four years as county executive, one could argue that he was even more friendly uh, to development than, than the current county executive is, um, that would be a horrific, tremendous mistake. So um, can, this, can this be righted? I don't know how. Uh, there are uh, challengers to the incumbent uh, uh, county council members in districts one and four. So I'm not, you know, uh, um, you know, fairly well known in, in political circles that 
Uh, both of those candidates of those major uh, challengers are supported by interests uh, friendly with the development community in, in Howard County and the development uh, community itself. Uh, I looked at the campaign finance report of the cha of the challenger in District One, and saw general growth properties and and uh, Howard Hughes Corporation and a host of our favorite development stars involved in that person's report. Um, so it's hard to say that if that this can be righted. Um, you know, there are also a lot of people. You know, we spoke before about about race being an, uh, a a. Uh, the determining factor in many of these uh, recent elections. Um, but economics is still up there too. Uh, you know, many people of color in, in certain parts of the county uh, who are Democrats, who are also of means, uh, who are also now ticked off at this county executive for uh, his position on school redistricting. Now, do I think that that's Calvin Ball's fault? Absolutely not. Uh, those people can go away as far as I'm concerned. But sure enough, uh, like an ambulance chasing attorney, the Republican former county executive is chugging in right after saying, oh, I never do such a thing uh, where we all know he would in a heartbeat. So so we need to. So, um, you know, we had an opportunity in Howard County where our county executive could do something that's not possible and with Democrats on the state level, and as we're seeing the federal level, which is truly bring unity uh, uh, amongst the amongst the uh, various progressive activists, and 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 actually more so provide great service for the citizens. Um, there have been many things that have been positive with this administration, but that that. Um, that we have yet that this administration did not embrace the political opportunity afforded it by its four to one majority uh, was a serious error. Let's just hope it's not a fatal one. Very well said. Yeah, a lot, a lot there, Bill. A lot there to unpack. I mean, I think we could have a, a altogether separate podcast that does a deep dive on the issue of, of development and its uh, how big of a factor it is in, in decisions made by our elected officials. I would even go up to the state level um, in terms of some of our, you know, representatives of the House of Delegates, the state Senate. Uh, you know, following the money is always a good thing. And, and I would include in that, I mean, you noted a couple of, of, of new candidates, but I would also note uh, some incumbents who this year decided to get into the Citizens Election Fund. Uh, look at their 2018 numbers. Uh, you'll see some familiar faces there as well. Um, you know, they're switched to the fund. I think some of it was political expediency. Some of it was, you know, uh, because they could, uh, being completely unopposed, they didn't have to worry about raising a whole lot of money. Um, so, so I think that um, following the money is never a, a bad way to figure out where those ties are. But uh, yeah, whole, whole other podcast on the state of the Howard County Democratic Party from leadership on down and uh, um, the whole issue of development and how it factors into so much of our life here. So uh, good stuff, though. Well, then our former county executive who vetoed the Citizens Election Fund is now one of those championing uh, its uh, disbursement. And honestly, the disbursement should be made. But the, the disingenuous there, while, while he does not also regret his veto, 
um, you know, I believe my term is puts this guy one one red nose away from a clown. So. Yeah, I do. I just want to chime with one thing that's I think worth noting, and this is just putting a fine point on it. Uh, you did recognize that in uh, districts one and four, you've got two Democratic incumbents who are generally seen as being uh, more of the anti-development side of things, uh, and they both have primaries. Uh, but two and three, uh, the seats held by uh, Rigby and Jones, uh, Doctor Jones. Uh, that uh, they don't have any primary challenges right now, and yet they're the ones that are perceived to be the m more friendly uh, pro-development uh, Democrats yeah. on the council. I don't think that's a coincidence. <laughs> now, maybe that someone might jump in the race or both of those races who may have a different agenda, but it is interesting that people in one and four were able to get relatively early starts, particularly in District 1, uh, you know, on the assumption that they could probably raise a decent amount of money, which I, I recall she has, um, the other yeah. thing, too, is I, I just want to say that, and, and I've had this conversation with some folks before, you don't need the developer money. <laughs> I mean, I understand if you're looking down the road and wanting to build relationships, you may feel as though you have to take developer money at some point. But uh, if you're running for county council in, in Howard County, you do not need developer money. Uh, you don't need it for the primary, you don't need it for the general. So I think those candidates who are trying to be a bit cute about it, uh, I think they're being disingenuous. And I do believe perhaps that's the one good thing that's come out of uh, this cycle is the the uh, the pledge not to take developer money. Now, I, I may quibble about the exact way it's written. Uh, I, I may say it's not the most creative, inventive thing you've ever seen because, you know, there's always Grover Norquist's tax pledge. Uh, but, you know, anything that keeps folks accountable, you know, I think it might be a, a, a useful tool in this case. And it's disappointing more Democrats can't find a way to sign it. Yeah. Well, uh, Jason, I would say on that pledge, it's almost six degrees of developer. I mean, it, if you read that pledge, it's like, well, you can't take money from a developer. You can't take money from a law firm of a developer. You can't take money from anybody who works from a law firm for a developer. You almost feel like you can't take money from the mother's cousin's uncle's brother of a lawyer who works at a firm who happens to do one job for a developer. I mean, it, it, it you're right. I mean, it, it was uh, what perhaps one of the most inartful <laughs> documents I've ever seen. I mean, you know, there are ways to just say, to your point, I'm not taking money from a developer or from a firm that represents a developer. But if there's somebody working at the firm that's an old buddy of yours that just wants to give you money because you're old buddies, I, I don't see where that is a violation if it's just two people who've known each other forever. So I think as with most things in the anti-developer community, and, and you talked about it earlier with certain individuals and certain groups, they take it too far. Um, I've always maintained that the answer in terms of development in Howard County is somewhere between the two extremes that seem to dominate the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, nobody, and maybe Bill, this is to your you have one job point. There's nobody willing to stand in that breach and say, both of y'all are wrong. It's somewhere in here. So uh, that would be you my know, only take on that. You know, um, you, know, you know, it's, you know, I want to kind of, I, I love this discussion and I, I guess I'll, I'll, I will shut up on this point at least. Um, <laughs> you know, the same people who have been active in the development community here have been active for decades. I mean, the same developers, the same builders, the same lawyers. Will opening it up make them go away? 
no, they're still going to have their practices. They're still going to have their business. Could they get their income cut into? Yeah, because they're not, you know, they may not get a, a, as big a share of, of what they of what they're used to off of living off of the Howard County development dole. Um, so I, I don't I don't shed any tears for our development community. I mean, they are, like I said, they have a purpose, but to say that to, you know, create restrictions, moratoriums, you know, to protect our reason, you know, it, it will, will, will hurt Howard County is ridiculous. We're not talking about any nimbyism. You know, we're not talking about people just talking, you know, just going to protect their home values. And there are some of those people out there. There are some of those people who, you know, their anti-development stances because they don't want people who look like them or people who speak different languages than them. I'm not, I'm not disputing that or discounting that one bit. What I am saying is that the people who were elected in 2018 got elected for reasons. They should have been listened to. And, and in terms of the bigger and the greater good, and instead of, you know, and, and to be able to have created something in Howard County, which really would make this place truly an exceptional place. Not the faux exceptionalism that a lot of people on those school news groups on Facebook keep pounding their chests over because, you know, they can afford an $800,000 McMansion that looks stupid on a posted stamp of land. They can thump their chests about being in a certain uh, high school district that, uh, that uh, that's colors are blue and gold or, or orange and blue or sometimes green and white. And y'all and and Howard County people know know the ones I'm talking about. Well, I I don't know about well, I'd have to figure out which orange and blue one if it's if it's one I'm thinking about maybe the one in the so south. There's only yeah. one. Okay. Um, yeah, I, you, the other ones you're absolutely correct about. But the other thing I'll just put out here, Bill, you know, you talked about people getting elected for a reason. I would maintain that only one member of the county council got elected for that or maybe even any compelling reason. You could argue the other four got elected by default. Well, the one in the first district, yes. Well, that's where I'm going. Yeah, I mean, there was a very clear reason why that person is sitting in that chair. I don't know that there's a compelling reason why the other four are there, except for the fact that they were there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, and 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 if that and if the former councilman had gotten reelected, uh, would he have a primary challenger against him in this cycle in 2022? I say yes. Yeah. I, I would say yeah. Uh, it would be an interesting question uh, because you wouldn't see some of the conversations that you've had over the last four years. I think the current member has raised and given voice to that conversation and to that side of the argument. So, uh, you know, maybe not. Maybe we wouldn't have had some of the rocky road because we would have had, you know, a solid block of three plus one uh, that went a certain way. And, you know, who knows? So it, it'll be interesting to see what that dynamic would have looked like. And quite frankly, I think 
I wonder if the council member of, of four would have stood in the breach by herself or if it was only because there was a partner there to uh, align with. So I think that the, the, that difference in district one, I think changed, changed and continues to change everything. Yeah. Truth to that. Gentlemen, this has been an honor today. Yeah. I, I think we also kept away from anything that would get ourselves sued. <laughs> we never even talked about that other former candidate with the lawsuits. <laughs> Sorry. So, and, we, and, and we shan't. Can't hear. Can't hear. <laughs> no, I, I can't hear a thing. Jason, well, it's a pleasure seeing you. Absolutely. It was, it was, it was, and, it was a delight Steve, always lovely. I have a couple couple minutes of the post show that you won't hear, viewers and listeners. Aren't you sad? But you have been watching or listening to another edition of Foreign Maryland. We'll be coming right back at you next week. Until then, have a great weekend, everybody. Take care. <laughs>